Welcome to Redbird Buzz. I'm Rachel Kobus from Alumni Engagement. Today we are happy to have Illinois State's own university archivist, April Anderson Zorn. April has been the keeper of knowledge and the protector of history when it comes to Illinois State University for over 11 years. She earned her master's in library and information science from Florida State and a master's in history from Central Florida. One of her biggest goals is to create greater awareness of the archives and provide comprehensive online access. And today, she's here to share her knowledge and create awareness for several empowering women that made an impact on the history of Illinois State University. So let's say hello to University Archivist April Anderson Zorn. So April, what's the word, Redbird? Tell us a little bit about the Dr. Joanne Rayfield Archives and what you're here to share with us. Well, thanks, Rachel. Yeah. I feel like I need a cape after that. <laughs> you are an amazing oh person. Gosh, so. I, I, well, thank you. I feel like I should have a cape. Um, right. So I've been here since April of 2011. Yeah. It's been it's been a few years. Um, and I did come here from Florida, so it was also sort of a culture shock. Um, it's uh, time, I say yeah, culture yeah. shock like mm-hmm. snow. I've mm-hmm. never seen snow until I moved here. And, and I it see was, it all the time. Oh, my God. I totally spun out at college and veterans. And there's going to be people that like, I remember that Santa Fe that spun out at college <laughs> and veterans back in the day in April. April of 2011. Um, so that's not why we're here. The Rayfield Archives is the institutional repository for Illinois State. Yes. Um, we collect the history of Illinois State, so what I like to call the institutional memory of mm-hmm. Illinois State, and that encompasses lots of things. And actually, we collect in areas that a lot of archives don't necessarily collect, right. um, which is why I'm also here today, because we're lucky enough to have these papers that some institutions, yeah. for better or for worse, don't collect. Um, we you know, keep the memory. Mm-hmm. of Illinois State and so how did it run as an academic institution we collect the papers of the colleges the departments the schools um, but we also collect faculty papers yeah. um, and that's that's a lot of stuff <laughs> that's a lot of stuff and a lot of space but we do this for a reason mm-hmm. um, this is to document how we've taught in the last 160 plus years yes, um, yeah. I mean obviously we're a normal school we were founded as a normal school the first institution in the state of Illinois publicly funded a higher institution, higher education institution. So we want to collect that memory of the faculty who have taught these subjects over the last 160 years. And with that, we can then trace, well, how was English taught in the last 160 years? How has the teaching of English changed? And it it has. And it's a fascinating way to look at the history of education and and really our very important place. But that's a whole separate podcast for a separate time. So (laughs) that's what I was going to say, April. We're going to have to have you back multiple times because there's so many different ways we can get into archives and what we have. I could could go on for days. (laughs) years maybe and that's that's what's so amazing about our archives and Mm -hmm. what you do too so today though Mm -hmm. you're sharing with us about some empowering women yes yes um i did bring some materials for three women of uh various places in our university history um some of you have probably already heard of june north colby Mm -hmm. so i did bring some colby materials i'll talk about her and i'll even interject a little bit about her mom all right uh because her mom is an important figure in the community or was an important figure in the community um, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, uh, Anna Ropp, 
who is an important figure for Mennonite College of Nursing yes, yes. Uh, and the materials that we have for Anna Ropp. Um, and also, Patricia, look, uh, there's people that are still in this community that's going to go, April, you're butchering her last name. <laughs> and that's why you're here. That's why. Yeah, Tell right? us what for right Please. or wrong. <laughs> I have heard it. Seriously, I've heard this pronounced to me in five different ways. I'm going with Chesbro. Okay. Um, but so she, we're sticking to it. Dr. Patricia yes. is what I'm going to say. Um, uh, Dr. Chesbro has really been an important figure in the development and in education of women's history and women's rights and the development of the women and gender studies uh, program here in Illinois State um, back in the 70s. And we'll talk a little about that as we get to her. So I figured you want to kick off with Colby? Yes, let's do it. And really, I'm going to go here and we talked about this going, yes, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes, because April is so full of knowledge. She's literally just going to take the show away and we're excited. So yeah, let's kick off with Dr. Colby. Well, so a lot of people don't know her, her sort of place in ISU history or Illinois State, normally university history at the time. She technically was the third woman hired to be, for all intents and purposes, an instructor, but she was really the first female faculty member that we hired. She was really hired to be a faculty member here at the institution uh, to teach English. Mm -hmm. She was the first woman to graduate with a a PhD uh, with her dissertation from the University of Michigan. And and I had heard this rumor when I first started, and I said, no, really? (laughs) And I went digging, and they've recently... I'd say recently, within the last several years, updated their records. You can go search online, and, and it's online, and you can see she was the first woman uh, who graduated with a dissertation or with her PhD, um, with a dissertation uh, talking about Shakespeare. Right. and okay. Shakespeare's okay. Uh, role in English yeah. literature. Um, I did, you know what, it's so funny. I, I brought my old PowerPoint that I use when I talk about June Rose Colby. So I'm going to hit I'm gonna hit some highlights um, as I go through this yes. presentation. Excited. You. you guys are getting my, my June Rose Colby presentation. Love it. So um, if you're really into Bloomington normal history, you may have heard of her mother, Celestia Rice Colby. Okay. So Celestia Rice Colby, uh, I think June was uh, the way that June operated later in life is thanks in large part to her mother's influence, um, particularly in uh, women's rights, mm-hmm. um, the role of a woman in modern society. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother was uh, not necessarily part of the Underground Railroad, but was near it and saw it and experienced it and, wow. and knew its importance yeah. um, and, and was obviously a supporter of it. Um, she wrote... Uh, various quote-unquote newsletters, which we have in our collections, um, that talks about a woman's role uh, in society, in the community. Um, she was she was married to a gentleman that she was in love with and then fell out of love with, um, mostly in part because he was married to the job, and he was away from home quite a bit, and she maybe grew a little resentful mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had, you know, a few children. In mm-hmm. fact, um, I'm going to show you. We'll, we'll probably have photos of these. Mm-hmm. I brought you to take a look at some tintypes. Old, those metal photos. Oh, my gosh. I See, know. This is the stuff that's amazing that Isn't you have, this, too. I love these. And they're super teeny tiny. Um, there's two larger photos, which tell me those are her parents, uh-huh. um, her mother and her father. And we know the mother. We've seen photos of her mother, Celestia, so we know that's Celestia. Um, the, the, the male... Um, we're pretty sure that's her father. Mm-hmm. And then there's these tiny little uh, tin types, maybe no more than two inches in size. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, and they're very, you can see the faces. Um, a lot of those are her of her siblings okay. over the years. And, it's, you know, they're named for tree parts. <laughs> Yeah, um, Branch was one of her brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. Yeah, right. June Rose, Branch, uh, Vine, I think, was Keep one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Um, so thanks in large part to her mother's influence is how June Rose Colby kind of kind of became the supporter that she was later in life of women's rights, um, particularly of her students. And I bring that up and I did bring this example to you. Um, again, we'll probably show this, I'm sure. Um, I have a vedette. I, it's, it's still bound, wow. it, an old vedette yes. from... Uh, 1908, February 4th, 1908. Years ago. Just, just a couple a years ago. Just down the road. <laughs> just a couple years ago. Um, she wrote this article entitled, Some Often Forgotten Aspects of the Relation of Women in the Industrial World. And the significance of this article is she basically was, 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 kind of telling Felmley to back off, President Felmley at the time. Right. President Felmley had made quite the ruckus, if you will, about women uh, should not be teaching, that teaching is a profession, mm-hmm. a, a a male, should be a male-dominated profession, but it is a profession and it is not a woman's profession and that we were bringing in quite a few women at the time yeah. who maybe didn't need to be getting a teaching certificate or later in 1908 a teaching degree um and she felt very strongly opposed to his views uh and wrote this article that was essentially a rebuttal of his of his public comments and had been public comments in the news so so she was a defender of women's rights she often held uh meetings in her home uh for women who were fighting to get the vote so women's suffrage meetings um a strong supporter of women's rights you know long before we get into the 70s and we talk about era but you know for all intents and purposes, Pioneer earlier. Of it, I mean, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've digitized some of her writings and have them available at Milner. There's there's ongoing work to digitize her whole collection, mm-hmm. which isn't huge, mm-hmm. but we'd like to get that stuff made available because yeah. she talks often about this, um, particularly in how that intersects with education and how we educate both the students who were going to the normal school at the time mm-hmm. to teach people how to teach, um, but to teach students in the lab schools and really interject this idea of equality, equal rights, women's rights in particular, and that this this profession that she loved was not just a male profession. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And how amazing is that? And again, all at Illinois, Illinois State Normal University mm-hmm. at the time, too. So yeah. well, that is empowering. So, yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, a lot of our uh, listeners may know that we did have a residence hall named after Colby in the end. And we yes, did. it is no longer there, but the mm-hmm. name lives on. And we have tons of alums, tons of Redbirds that talk about even the great times that her name is still in people's you know minds yeah. right now too. Yeah, well, so. that whole South Complex yeah. was named after very strong women, yes. and yeah. and June Rose Colby was one of those very strong women. Yeah. And and I loved that you could be, even then, say a student who identified as female that yeah. came to school here and maybe resided in that hall, and you had this wonderful connection to to a pioneer, quite frankly, yeah. in our history. Yes, um, for making sure that women received an education at this institution yeah. in a in a subject that they love to do yeah. and they had that connection you know what a hundred plus years later yeah. maybe they may not have understood the significance but by god they were they're still connected to june rose so yeah i, I love, love that i love that they could have that and they're still alums who remember that oh yes oh yeah, yeah absolutely we hear yeah. about it all the time and i love it too yeah so are we going to move on then to sure. Miss Rob, Mrs. Mrs. Rob? Is it Ms. Rob, Mrs. Rob? What's uh, a little bit about her background, I guess? Well, well so Anna Rob. Yes. Anna Rob is a prominent, or was, she's since passed away, yes. but she was the mother of some prominent community okay. members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, part of that Rob family in the local community. She lived to be a hundred years old. Oh my gosh. I know, right? I'm, oh, I'm a little exhausted thinking about it. <laughs> And again, um, did a lot during her time yeah. too. So. Uh, let me uh, let me let me tell y'all. So I got a couple of notes here too. So born in 1904, and she passed away in 2005. 
Um, she went to, her significance was that she went to the Mennonite, excuse me, she went to the Mennonite Hospital School of Nursing in Bloomington and graduated in 1931. Before she came to Mennonite uh, in the early 30s, she actually got some training on her own. So she um, left her home in Missouri in 1927. She got a little bit of training and then went to nursing school to Mm kind of help her along. Mm -hmm. So she she got that training. Um, But she got married and she lived on a farm. Uh, and so she wrote these diaries and what's amazing about these diaries. So I just told you she lived for a hundred years. She wrote daily in her diaries. Mm -hmm. So we've got dozens of diaries that are these almost Twitter like entries. Mm -hmm. They're very short and succinct, but full of information about her day job, which was essentially, or sometimes her night job, which was essentially the farm life, you know, Mm -hmm. being, being the wife of a farmer and working on the farm and what that entailed, um, working as a night shift nurse and then a duty relief nurse later in life, Mm -hmm. um, which she eventually retired from, but still was associated with the hospital until long after, uh, until she passed away. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and talking about the local area, the region, even the weather, yeah. even the weather and what makes these <laughs> so fascinating What I love to pull these out for classes is that these go across so many disciplines. And while she's okay. representative of Mennonite College of Nursing, uh, say there's a student interested in geological conditions, you know, for a certain period oh. of time in the region, they could easily go to her diaries and pull her account. Never of, think of that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, maybe somebody in family and consumer sciences might be interested in, in what her discussion was about canning corn. You know, I mean, there's lots of different crossover and disciplines with these diaries that are fascinating and not just that connection to Mennonite, which is obviously a really important connection, mm-hmm. but to yeah. so many disciplines on campus. So I, I have a diary yeah. in my hand. Um, I want to read this to you because, so her son, Ron, she, she had, she had a couple of sons, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I was in contact with Ron, um, who donated these and he pointed this out to me and I, I still, every time I show these diaries, I point this out. So if you're looking at the diary, um, it's so she has a, it's like a five-year diary and it says august 13th and august 14th on august 13th on one page and august 14th on the other and then 1933 1934 1935 and so on and then she'd write a couple of sentences for each one of those days so on wednesday august 19th 1936 it was fair and hot uh canned 24 pints of corn oh washed feathers and dressed four chickens in evening mother here helped took her to town in evening came home got sick, got ready, went back to town. Ronald David, born at 10.05 p.m. What a ride to town. Rained real hard. Ida and Alan at Mother's. Pete at hospital until 3 a.m. There's a lot that happened that day. But <laughs> she, did it, going. she did it in a tweet. <laughs> you know? She is the creator of tweets, everybody. She, and we just didn't even know it. So. I just, the woman fascinates me every diary i pick up there's something new and exciting talking about how they dumped bedpans in yeah. in elevators in the hospital i mean you name it there's something for everybody yeah. and her diaries. diaries are online too right like so yes people you can access them yes. online and read them yourself if you, you can yet. in okay. fact go yeah. to the digital collections at library.illinoisstate.edu okay. yeah. so uh there's a collections page in there you'll find our digital collections and it's the anna Rop diaries and you can browse these diaries at your heart's content and learn all about her really fascinating life yeah. that she led and yeah. i'm glad you brought up too that i mean just one woman you wouldn't think about the impact that she has on current 
like students right now and that even after she has passed that she can still make that impact and yeah. again another empowering woman because of what she did and mm-hmm. the variety of things she did too so can you imagine being the author of these diaries and you know you just think that you're recording what happened in the day yeah. and my my granny certainly had the little daily diary yeah. and she wrote a few sentences but can you imagine a hundred years later you know we get we get a hundred years out from her death and still students are going to be using yeah. these diaries that's what's so wonderful about what we do and a hundred years yeah so talked like she worked through a hundred years and all that mm-hmm. happened in a hundred years too is is fascinating in itself right. so even if it's not impacting your career just being able to read that and see mm-hmm. in a hundred year span what someone went through exactly and the idea that you know this is the original diary i'm a, i put this in students hands and they are now connected to anna for life they they now have this mm-hmm. physical connection. I, I have this slogan. I say once you're part of history, uh, once you touch history, you're part of history. Oh, I love it. So you know they touch this diary. They're connected to her. They're mm-hmm. connected to this life that was a beautiful life that was lived, and they get to learn something from her. And again, did Anna? Did she ever in her hundred years think that these diaries would be used this way? I hope she's somewhere looking at us. You know. <laughs> extremely happy and tickled that they get used yes. the way that they get used yeah. Yeah. making again another impact in illinois state mm-hmm. so thanks for sharing that yeah. April. so um i know we have one more woman before we let yes. you go and i'm going to call her dr patricia too so i don't <laughs> dr. Have patricia. Say, uh-huh, yeah. so i don't say yeah. her last name but uh and this i i wanted april to bring um dr patricia up as well just because i feel like she had so much impact on women's rights on mm-hmm. moving like you said along the women's studies program and how that um, impacted campus throughout yeah. her time as a professor and as a dean too. Exactly. Right? Yep. 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 She really worked her, and she was an alum. So she was an alum oh, here yes. in the forties. Yes. Yeah. Right. She's an alum and came back, uh, in the sixties and started her career here. Uh, at one point while she was still working towards her dissertation, she was an, ass- uh, an assistant dean, mm-hmm. I believe an yes. assistant okay. dean of mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Um, and she earned her uh, doctorate and came back. She earned her doctorate in psychology and yep. came back and became part of the psychology department. But really in her time here, I cannot emphasize enough her her impact, particularly for women faculty, which in the 60s and 70s, they did not feel that they had representation. Yeah. For better or for worse, and whoever wants to argue me, go ahead, argue, bring it. <laughs> they they <laughs> absolutely did not have representation. Um, and they, they felt as if their male counterparts were getting far better um, service uh, opportunities. They were getting better grant opportunities. They just weren't getting the same opportunities as their male counterparts. So um, she started the, well, she was on the um, first women's faculty association. Mm -hmm. She was the vice president uh, in 1971 Mm -hmm. and worked on that um, where they brought in a lot of scholarship money and brought in presenters Mm -hmm. and speaker Mm -hmm. series to speak on this topic of women in the profession and, and how do we bring more representation for women faculty, which, you know, it's interesting. Um, the topics that they talked about are things that we still talk about today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you work as a professional mother? Mm -hmm. How do you, it's, you know, um, uh, how, how are these women, uh, say breastfeeding in Mm -hmm. the workplace? We were still having these conversations today. Um, these are things they were broaching at the time. And, you know, um, as I was digging up a couple of 
points to bring with me mm-hmm, today to talk mm-hmm, about, yeah. it occurred to me she would have been here for May 1st, 1973, when Betty Friedan and Phyllis Shafley had their big debate and keep an auditorium yeah. about the Equal Rights Amendment, and yeah. it got a little heated mm-hmm. <laughs> when yeah, they were right. here. They got, and I thought, oh my gosh, to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. But then to hear her, I, I don't know. I'm sure she had very strong opinions. I would have loved <laughs> to have heard her opinions yeah. on that debate, because that is something that's even been portrayed even most recently in the media. Yeah. Um that very famous and hotly debated topic and debate that happened in Cape and Auditorium in 73. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she would have been here for that. Um, but she's also responsible for the foundation and creation of what we know mm-hmm. um, as our current uh, women, gender, and sexuality yes. studies, which yeah. was women's studies at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, early 70s, really, there were some classes, but then in 73 is when it really took off, later, later offered as a minor. She even fought to make it a master's program with a joint yeah. master's program mm-hmm. with IWU. Um, obviously we're not doing that didn't exactly come to fruition Um, but really anything that had to deal with women's rights uh, representation for women particularly women uh, who were faculty on this campus and in the region she she absolutely you would find her on one of those boards Mm -hmm. Sandra Harmon still in the community and worked very closely with her too Um, and they worked together on a lot of these projects so I'm sure Sandra has something to say Uh, (laughs) about Pat yes and I was gonna say and I was looking up I mean she has articles about not only in the archives but on the vedette as well too yeah. of just her impact as assistant dean like you said in the women faculty association mm-hmm. and just thinking of someone's one voice has made such a big difference on our campus and mm-hmm. i think we continue to move forward because of women like her as well yeah. so it's absolutely it's i'm inspired yeah. i'm really i'm so happy again faculty papers we have her yeah. materials both her advocacy for women faculty and her teaching materials while yep. she was while she was teaching faculty. Yep. So we have this collection that again I can pull things out. I did bring a couple of things from her too. Because <laughs> I love that you do that. I know I do. And April I, knows where everything's at in the archives you know, too. That's easy. Like I'm just gonna I'm bring gonna this. I'm gonna, yeah. April. Yeah. I mean, at one point I made the joke. I was like, I might find Jimmy Hoffa in there. So. <laughs> If you do, well, please come back on our podcast. I'll tell you us, what, so. you know, we opened a time capsule once and the front page news was Jimmy Hoffa still not found. And I made the joke to Ross Griffiths at the time. I looked at him and went, oh my God, we found Jimmy Hoffa. He was in the time capsule all the time. <laughs> I love it. The jokes we pull, we pull it. at archives. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I love it. And that's why, again, I hope we have you back because this is just three women out of all the history of Illinois State. And yeah. just the short amount of time we've had today the impact that you shared with us Mm -hmm. and I hope the impact that um, everyone's listening to and starting to see that connection of what three people can do to move a university forward and hopefully we continue to see that as Illinois State keeps moving forward as well too. Absolutely, absolutely. And then also I guess if anyone's interested in the archives Mm -hmm. you want to share uh, how they can get in contact or learn more about the archives? Sure, we live in the world of email right now so I think the easiest way to contact us is to email archives so archive with an S, archives at ilstu.edu or you can say at illinoisstate.edu we're happy to answer questions there. Um, We're also again on the library's website So library.illinoisstate.edu. And if you click on the collections tab up at the very top, uh, we are the Rayfield Archives. And you can find us there with our other partner uh, repositories like Special Collections, who has a wonderful circus collection, the digital collections uh, that's run out of Milner. Um, You can even find the digitized vedette there. We've been digitizing the vedette, which, by the way, is where I get a lot of my information Uh from. That's what I said. Like I saw all these women in there at one point or the other. So very good. Well, thanks, April, again, for being Mm -hmm. with us. So. Um, and like I said, hopefully see you in the future as well. Absolutely. I'll be back. Thanks.
That was Illinois State University's archivist, April Anderson Zorn. Thanks for listening to Redbird Buzz, and be sure to tune in next time for more stories from beyond the quad. Thank you.